Welcome to Media at Risk, a podcast from the Center for Media at Risk at the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Pennsylvania. In this episode, doctoral student and producer Mira McCammon talks with acclaimed comic Carta Monir about what makes the space of trans cartoons, comics, and graphic novels so exceptional and risky. We learn that unlike previous generations of comics, in which risk-taking meant exposing the dark underbelly of society, in today's world the rotten floats to the surface, and innovation means using the medium to grapple with vulnerability and to represent non-normative bodies. Hope you enjoy. At the Center for Media at Risk, we're taking this episode to think about the evolving world of entertainment by chatting with Carter Manier, a trans graphic novelist based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I mean, apparently I'm pretty great. As to who I am, I would say I'm a a transgender woman. Um, I'm married. I live in an apartment. I'm trying to think of other fun facts about me that that your listeners might appreciate. Um, I'm quite tall. Carter makes comics about identity, technology, and the future of our digital selves. Many of them pose provocative questions about what it means to be trans and how we talk about sexuality on the internet. She's also the host of We Should Be Friends, a podcast that brings comics together to chat about all things big and small. Like early on, I would say that like a lot of beginning cartoonists, I sort of flailed around for like what sort of storytelling was interesting to me. So like a lot of like horror and fiction and sort of like whimsical things. I would say that like the biggest development in terms of my work has been letting go of the fear that I used to feel about telling stories about my own life. And so at this point, most of the stories I tell are related to my true experiences um, in one way or another. And I would also say that a lot of the stories that I tell at this point are framed through the lens of technology and the internet because of how formative and important those things are uh, in my own experience. And I think like pretty universally, Uh, to people my age, and especially to trans people my age. I feel like the internet is such a turbulent place right now. So I guess I'm wondering how you how you approach the process of incorporating such a fluid and ever changing space into into your work. I did a comic a while back, uh, told entirely through the Facebook interface. And even as I was doing that, I was like, this is like a comic with a very specific time limit because like the Facebook interface is going to change again. Like it has, you know, 20 times. These things that I'm being very specific about aren't going to read the same way to someone a few years from now. But I also feel like it doesn't super matter um, because even as interfaces change and the web changes, There are certain kind of abstract elements that remain pretty consistent that people can recognize. So like something I incorporate a lot into my comics is like the 
Microsoft Windows 95 style like window application window with like the little bar at the top and then the minimize and like resize and close buttons. Not because like I think that that is like representative of like how all computers look and especially like not on smartphones and things, but like people understand that like when you put something in that kind of frame, like it very quickly communicates a sort of message to the reader. Like this is technology. This is like something that can be closed. This is something that can be modified in some way. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning so much. Um, no, really. I, because I've, I've encountered a lot of people who tend to dismiss cartoons as a as a sort of subpar form of entertainment compared to say TV shows, novels and movies and I guess I'm curious to know what what drew you to the medium and 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 more importantly what what makes it special. Sure. I mean, I think there are a few things that people will say when they talk about comics and like you can have a lot of control you don't need like a budget create entire universes with only a pencil like you know that sort of stuff on a personal level i really like comics because they feel personal and kind of intimate in a similar way to like poetry the type of comics that i generally like are done by one person sometimes two people and tend to be about like more vulnerable experiences also, and I've seen people talking about this before, specifically the transcultural critic Sarah Horrocks, that comics are an ideal medium for depicting trans people and trans bodies. And I've talked about this before a little bit, but in prose, if you're writing a character, you're kind of limited by like, at some point you need to insert pronouns, you know, like is this character a he or a she or a they or whatever. And then also, if you fastidiously avoid using pronouns, that really sticks out to a reader. And also in prose, if you want to talk about like cues, like clockable cues, like how could a reader start to infer that this character is trans? It feels very obvious. You know, you'd like write about like someone's big hands or Adam's apple or, you know, stuff like that. And film also has problems because like in film, There's a question of actors. Are you using a cisgender actor to play a trans person? Are you using a trans person at a different point in their transition? So comics offer a really interesting in-between because you are working solely with visual representation. So it's really in the hands of the artist to decide what and when to disclose about these characters. And also in comics, like you aren't working with an actor, so you can draw like your ideal body, your trans body, your fluid body without it sticking out as much. Like you have so much more control over the portrayal of transness in comics. Some things about Carta. In 2017, the AV Club named her as one of the 10 female cartoonists you need to know. Chris Plant, an editor at Polygon, said recently that her work, quote, gracefully explores loss, control, and the unexpected objects that bond us, unquote. Also, she takes great selfies. I have only just started to learn more about kind of the global community of queer and trans graphic novelists, and um, I, 
I'm curious to know like what what words you'd use to describe the community and also you know what what obstacles you think the, the community faces today. I would say the words I would use to describe the community like I would say growing. I would say completely innovative like the the trans and gender nonconforming and queer comics artists that I'm familiar with are doing some of the most interesting work. And I would say that they're able to do that work. And this fits neatly into the struggles that this community faces. It's easier to have like a vibrant punk scene when there's like no chance of anybody making money. (laughs) And that's one of the problems because like there's not competition in the same way that there would be if there was a lot of money in this community. I often do compare indie comics to poetry. You know, if you were to go to, like, a poetry convention, you're not expecting to see, like, all of these cutthroat people competing for, like, movie deals with their poems, right? And it's kind of the same in indie comics. Like, nobody has an expectation of suddenly striking it big or, like, fighting for a lot of money or whatever. If you get a publishing deal, that's great. But, like, in comics, especially at this scale, a publishing deal means someone with, like, a little bit more money than you is willing to like print your comics. But like, you know, like it doesn't really mean anything in terms of financial stability. It just means that you don't have to print your own comics anymore. It's a good scene for young people and especially young people from vulnerable communities because like there's not like really an entrance fee to get in. It's a small field. Um, And it's something I really like about it. I wish there was so much more money in the field, but like the fact that it's all of these people who are sort of fighting together and like struggling together and like working extremely hard to improve one another. That's a culture that I really enjoy and respect. I wanted to ask another question. I was just wondering kind of what, what advice you'd, you'd give to, you know, the next generation of you know, trans cartoonists and graphic novelists who are, you know, new to the scene and and figuring out their place? Um, I would say find friends to make work with because, like, having people around helps a lot. And, like, that includes online, obviously, like, but it really helps to have people to send your work back and forth with and, like, give honest critique to. I would also say, like, be bold. Be bold in the kind of stories that you're telling. When it comes to personal narrative, the threshold for, like, it being interesting is always higher than you would expect. If you're telling a story about your life, it's better not to hold back as much as possible. Um, And that's something that, like, I struggled with for such a long time. But, like, at this point, I feel like if I want people to understand the weight of certain experiences, I just need to kind of go all in with it. Just letting yourself, like, truly tell the kind of story that you want to tell is, is the best advice that I can give. I would say that, like, if you look at comics as a whole, like, you look at the comics that were important 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and now... There's been a real shift away from a certain type of what was then considered like punk truth telling. Like back in the day, if you were to say like, who's like the rawest truth tellingest cartoonist around, people would say someone like Robert Crumb. Why Crumb? Because like he is like 
a gross white man who's being honest about how disgusting and, and racist he is or whatever. You know, like there was really this sense of like peeling back the respectable curtain and and exposing the like foul underbelly or whatever. Now that foul underbelly is just out in the open. Like there's nothing to be exposed. Everything that could be exposed or would have been scandalous in the past is just like plainly on display right now. So there's been a bit of a cultural shift and like the people who I now see as like the true punk truth tellers are the people who are like coming from a place of oppression and being honest about their experiences and like using their work to help other people. Higu Rose's Titty Chop Boob Slash is like both a really beautifully executed comic and also kind of a roadmap for other people who might want to get top surgery and need to work with insurance. Or like one of my favorite books from the past 20 or so years is um, Susceptible by Jean-Vivre Castre, who is unfortunately no longer with us. She was a cis woman from an emotionally abusive childhood. And it's like just a really, really beautiful, defiant book about her upbringing and like how she got away from her parents. And like, it doesn't end on a note of like closure in terms of like, oh, I've reconciled with this. It's like very angry. Work like that is directly inspiring to me because like there's a sort of defiance In the past, this punk work, like the underground work, was so focused on this idea that, like, everyone is rotten on the inside, and, like, the bravest thing you can do is just be as disgusting as possible, because that's real, man, you know? But, like, I think that's dumb. Like, I think that's dumb bullshit. One of the bravest things you can do is show, like, extreme radical empathy and, like, try and be a voice for people in your situation and an inspiration to people who are going through the same things that you went through. Like, that's what's useful right now in, like, a very dark political time where, like, a lot of aspects of, you know, trans life are being literally outlawed. Work that builds community and a work that inspires resistance and resilience, like, those are the things that I value most in terms of, like, political artwork. You can find more about Carter's portfolio of work, as well as some supplementary material in the world of trans graphic comics, on the Center for Media at Risk's website. Thanks for listening. We'd like to thank Waldo Aguirre, Carter Monier, Emily Plowman, and Barbie Zelizer, director of the Center for Media at Risk. The episode was produced by Mira McCammon and edited by me, Aaron Shapiro. More information can be found on the Center's website, www.ascmediarisk.org. <laughs>